What's up, guys? It is Monday, November 22nd, 2021, Thanksgiving week, and On The Fly is back on the air. We've been gone for a while. It's been kind of a, a tough spell for me uh, at work. We, You know, Thanksgiving and Christmas are always a busy time of the year in the uh, grocery store business, meat cutting business. And uh, being shorthanded doesn't help it with everybody. I know there's a lot of places around the country that are shorthanded and, uh, you know, just have to deal with it. Hopefully things are going to get better sometime soon and uh, I'll be able, hopefully be able to do this uh, every week like I did before. Anyway, got a lot of stuff to talk about this week on, on, on the fly, a lot of music stuff. And plus, we'll be doing our album review of Motley Crue, Theatre Pain. Really looking forward to sharing this stuff with you guys. One of the uh, with Theater of Pain, I became a Motley Crue fan at Shout the Devil, and then you know you get the I've talked to you guys before about you get the circus magazines, you get the hip paraders, the metal edges. I think mostly for me back then, it was circus and uh, hip parader back then. The metal edge came on a little bit later, but. You keep hearing, you know, and this, you know, like Shout the Devil is really what got me back into 80s, 80s rock music, 80s metal. And you you keep reading it. You can't get enough of this stuff. And you're like, can't wait to get this this album when it comes out. You count the days down. You got your local record store like we used to have. Uh, you, you're looking for it or record tape, cassette tapes. Yeah, I'm dating myself. But you get used, you get so so pumped up for it and then we'll talk about my reaction <clears throat> and my initial thoughts excuse me <clears throat> of uh theater of pain especially compared to shout the devil um starting off today we'll start off with some some music news and some sad news to report since the last time we've been on um guy we talk about a lot here a native of my hometown alaska chris daltrey Unfortunately, his 25-year-old daughter was found dead in her Tennessee home on November the 12th. Now, this is being investigated, just a death, and that's what, you know, a lot of people have come out, there's been rumors coming out this is being investigated as a homicide, which, according to Chris's wife, Deanna, is not so. She asked people to let the investigating office do their job, and she recently spoke out about rumors concerning the death of her daughter, Hannah Price. She made an Instagram post on, on this last Friday where she stated that rumors of the 25-year-old's death being investigated as a homicide were false. You know, people were initially reporting that, that it was a homicide investigation. Now, the authorities found Price inside her Fentress County, Tennessee home on November 12th. And her statement was, this was Deanna's statement, the news floating around that we said our daughter's death is being investigated as homicide is false. We were not told that and never said that to anyone. The day Hannah was found, I shared some concerns I had with some people I know and said we won't know anything for sure till after they complete the investigation. Someone took that and went running with it or they talked to someone else who then made assumptions and went running to the press with it. I lost my child, and I'm having now to deal with also deal with rumors and assumptions about her. You know, this was also confirmed by 
Tennessee's 8th District Attorney Jared Effler stated the case was currently a death investigation and any attempt to classify as homicide investigation at this time is premature and irresponsible. He also said that no one has been arrested in connection with Price's death. And on November 12th, an Instagram post, Chris Daltry wrote that he was absolutely devastated and heartbroken by his daughter's passing. Now, Chris immediately went and, and postponed his tour indefinitely to well, probably be early 2022 before he'll go back his, in support of his new album, Dearly Beloved, uh, which we'll, we'll have an album review of. We certainly send out our prayers and our thoughts and condolences to the Daltry family. Chris, going through a tough time now, also lost his mom short time before his daughter's death, and uh, we definitely send out our thoughts and prayers to the Daltrey family. All right, some more news to share. Uh, it's been a while since the passing of Quiet Riot leader and drummer. You know, he was D1 for Quiet Riot for a long time, the original that kept it going. Uh, Frankie Benali, who passed away, Last this, well, I think it was last year due to uh, cancer. His bat, lost his battle with cancer. They had his memorial service this past Monday, that was hosted by Eddie Trunk and uh, among others that, that spoke. Uh, of course, his Quiet Riot bandmates Rudy Sarzo, Alex Grossi, Ricky Rocket was one that was there among others. And uh, you know, now that Rudy Sarzo is back in the band, back in Quiet Riot, it's kind of, it, you know, I think that. A lot of people were making a big deal about Quiet Riot going on without an original member. But in an interview I did with Alex Grossi, he said that was Frankie's wishes to keep for the rest of them to keep Quiet Riot going. And, uh, you know, I, I get it. I don't see the big deal with it. If that was his wishes, that's what they should do. Um, and people making a big deal out of it just in right. But now Rudy Sarzo is back in the band. Um, and... Hopefully we'll see something new. I know they just got booked to do the Jericho cruise. I just saw that today, and that was I shared that on my uh, on the fly on the Facebook page. So hopefully we'll see something new from Quiet Riot coming uh, soon. I look forward to it. You know we're always talking about new music from like the '80s bands, uh, the especially the '80s rock bands, metal bands, and. But there's a time when you want to hear some vintage stuff, too. Myself, you know, big fan of a lot of these groups. Kiss is my favorite, which they're putting out a 45th anniversary. Yes, dating me really, really bad. 45th anniversary of their breakthrough album, Destroyer. <clears throat> and uh, I'm hearing online, a lot, of, a lot of the guys that order it through Kiss's official site, Kiss Online, are having delivery delays and i think that's mainly because there's there's a cd set and then there's a vinyl set and uh a lot i think the vinyl sets are getting delayed because a lot of people are getting the cd sets from amazon already but the bad thing about it, what makes it look bad and i was one that ordered uh the kiss off the soundboard vinyl when it came out uh, i forgot when it came out earlier this year and you know when you pre-order something from a band's website you're expecting to get it you know maybe even before other suppliers get it but amazon people that order from amazon were getting it before 
before people that ordered through Kiss Online with that. Now I think that's the case here, but maybe it's it's a vital vital delay and everything. But uh, have to talk about this Metallica. They know how to do this. This they're they're doing a lot of uh, a lot of memorabilia stuff and and vintage stuff now. They have unveiled the black box, a hulking collection of physical keepsakes and virtual goodies pulled from the band's personal archives. The band said in a statement, when you've been around for 40 years, you managed to collect a few things. Along the way, the four of us hung on to many keepsakes, photographs, articles of clothing, sketches, and so much more, stashing these items away in attics, garages, and storage spaces, but no more as we're excited to launch the Metallica Black Box. It will include both physical and digital media from weekly live stream events to limited edition signed memorabilia. In the weeks, months, and years ahead, the black box will venture progressively deeper into the vaults, the sounds, the visuals, the instruments, the culture, and beyond, the band promised. Early offerings from this include the Riffle Mile Photo Gallery, which contains behind-the-scenes footage of the band in the studio with Black Album producer Bob Rock, and then and the Where I Lay My Head is Home Gallery, which has dozens of live photos of the band from the early 90s. Fans can also purchase vintage photographs, commemorative album plaques, and tour poster reproductions. And starting November 20th, Metallica will stream one show a week for 10 weeks from their Black Album tour, which ran from 91 to 93. So, you know, and, and I like that. My internet here right now, I've told you've heard me say it 100 times, it's not the best in the world. So streaming is probably... Not the best option for me right now, but, you know, I'm hoping, I'm holding out hope that uh, this new internet we're supposed to be getting in the next month or two will be a lot better. It can't be any worse than the satellite internet I've got. Um, but, yeah, something like that. A lot of these bands, like Kiss, Kiss claim they've, they've recorded, they filmed every show. Kiss should, it would be a great idea to put out a Kiss streaming service, whether you want to do audio or video of it and in charge like a monthly fee i mean a lot of these people will pay for it to see to see old vintage kiss stuff i know i would if it was a reasonable price i sure would if they released a little bit of a time you don't have to do it all and and some of the off the wall stuff like eric carr's first concert at the palladium um detroit the the First show of the reunion tour. Uh, what up? The Magic Mountain show that they they did at uh, for Phantom of the Park movie, stuff like that. You know, bands could do that, and I'm sure the fans out there, especially if you don't want to do new music, which a lot of these older bands. I know Paul Stanley made that comment. Do something for the fans like you like that. I, I would definitely go for that with a Kiss Kiss streaming service. Believe it or not, and talking about aging yourself, Rocky, the original Rocky movie, turned 45 years old yesterday. And I mean, Rocky, you know, I don't really know how Rocky came into... Well, the first time I saw Rocky, I'm sure it was on TV. I didn't go to the theater because at what was it, 76, I was three years old. So I'm sure... It had to be my parents watching it on TV when it was like one of them CBS movies of the week or something like that, and it was so edited down. But over the years, you know, you become – that was like a 
yearly or however often thing when when the movies came out you had to go see two three came out i can remember to this day where i was at when i went to see three uh at the beach with my family uh, and the whole theater we went during the day the theater was empty it was just us and watching rocky three uh not so crazy about five we've we've talked about that before we, that's the plan on the fly is going to do a movie by movie rocky review and i'm i'm going to get to have some special guests on here for that but that really launched sylvester's loan without rocky you think about it without rocky we probably wouldn't see rambo i mean you you wouldn't see uh some of the movies he did which i'm not sure if i want over the top was is a good example or not but uh <coughs> probably wouldn't see a lot of Sylvester Stallone's career. Uh, the, the whole Rambo series, the whole Rocky series. Uh, and and now what he's he's re-edited Rocky IV. I watched a little bit of clips, shared some of that on my Facebook page not last week. And uh, it's just a great story. The Rocky story is a great story. Uh, with Stallone wrote it. And, but... If you haven't seen a Rocky movie, and I don't, know, I don't imagine not many people, there's not many people out there that haven't seen Rocky, the Rocky movies, one of them at least, you need to check it out. It, it's, it's such a great series. Did anybody watch the American Music Awards last night? I recorded it, and the only reason I did was because New Edition comes on stage to do a medley of hits mixed in with uh that group that the guy from blue bloods is in what's his name uh donnie Wahlberg, new kids on the block yeah i'm just joking i know who they are not not the biggest new kids on the block fan but i'm a huge new edition fan that's that's just 84 when the self-titled album came out i had the cassette that was a birthday present uh, that was oh i used my birthday money i remember that i think i bought the new edition cassette and the Kiss Animalized cassette at the same time, and also a Prince Purple Rain shirt. So <laughs> that'll tell you anything. But yeah, new edition. They I think it was like a ten minute medley mixed in. Uh, some of the songs they performed: Candy Girl, Mr. Telephone Man, Is This the End? Can You Stand the Rain? And if it isn't love, now is this the end? It was kind of kind of weird when they were singing "Is This the End." It was mixed in. With new kids on the block singing "Please Don't Go, Girl," which you know it's kind of weird. Didn't didn't mix really well, like a mashup or anything. But they look good. I mean, all of the guys look good. Uh, they they had their steps down. It, it was just it was just great to see New Edition back on on the big stage again. And those guys can still sing too. I mean, of course, Ralph can't sing like he did when he sang "Candy Girl" originally, but you know it was it was great. I, I really enjoyed it. If you haven't checked it out, look on our Facebook page and on our Twitter. There's a link to it right there. What about Adele? <laughs> New album comes out. One of the one of the best voices you'll ever hear. And that's something we need to talk about too. A top ten list of best female singers of all time. I'm looking at this list that Barstool Sports put up. Barstool, I guess it's not just sports, but Whitney Houston and Mariah Carey were at the top uh, Mariah was one when it was two which I would probably reverse that in my opinion somehow Karen Carpenter wasn't up there at all and if you you know that's 
dating me too. Karen Carpenter of the Carpenters had one of the best voices ever. How she didn't make the top ten over some of these ladies on there, no offense to these ladies, but uh, I've heard their voices and they just don't compete with Karen Carpenter. I think it's just the generation gap that these people haven't heard Karen Carpenter sing. But anyway, back to Adele. As if blessing her fans with a new album was enough, she convinced Spotify to finally roll out a long-requested feature. Spotify confirmed that it has rolled out a feature for its premium users, removing the shuffle option as a default when playing an album. Now, previously, when you pulled up an album, a shuffle icon would appear just under the green play button indicate the album would automatically play songs at random instead of its original order. Now when you play it, it automatically starts from the beginning, which is the way it should be. And they should give you the option to shuffle, but not make it. Why would you do that anyway? I mean, the, the artist put it in that order for a reason. Um, you know, they, and they do have the option. Spotify said you can still choose to shuffle an album by going to the Now Play and View and turning the shuffle toggle on. The change was made in response by Chris Adele, who just released her fourth LP, 30. We don't, this is what Adele said, we don't create albums with so much care and thought into our track listen for no reason. Our art tells a story and our story should be listened to as we intended. Exactly. She is exactly right. Hats off to her for doing that. And got to check out that album, 30. She's got one of the best voices out there. I'm not ashamed to say I'm an Adele fan. I'm, I love I love great music and I love great voices. And Adele has got one of the best out there. Just glancing through the, the new releases for uh, December, and this is mainly rock releases. Uh, Ozzy Osbourne, who's got a remixed version of Hellraiser featuring the late Lemmy Kilmister on Motorhead. He's got a new EP, 30 years after the original song was released on, uh, on No More Tears. Let's see, we got A Doors, December 3rd, The Doors, LA Woman, Anniversary Deluxe Reissue. What else we got? Green Day, the BBC Sessions, which should be interesting. Chuck Berry, live from Blueberry Hill, a live album. And then arriving early 2022, there's a lot of music I'm looking forward to coming out. Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, their number four album. Guns N' Roses EP, Hard School. Tears for Fears coming out with a new album, The Tipping Point. Scorpions, Rock Believer. And Brian Adams, so happy it hurts. And also, Georgia Satellites. If we haven't talked about the Georgia Satellites, who's heard of them in a while? Lightning in a Bottle, the official live album. So a lot of good stuff getting ready to come out. Even more. I mean, this is basically the rock stuff, but I'm sure there's more coming. Uh, we got to find a good place that I can find out about new releases. I know a lot of people say Apple, you can check it, but I want I, I like to look at it like way in the in the future. Uh, I had a site and they've gone down, but uh, you know, love to love to see what's getting ready to come out. All right, let's get to the main event. What we came here for: Motley Crue, Theater Pain, the third studio album from Motley Crue, released on June twenty first, nineteen eighty five. A lot of things going on with Motley Crue. Then, of course, they're coming off their big success with "Shout at the Devil." And a lot of things happen in between that, in between Shout and between Theater Pain. 
Of course, everybody remembers the tragic death of uh, Razzle, Nicholas Razzle Dingley in the car crash with Vithney on December 8, 1984. Now, that's weighing on you. Think about this. You just, you just had a great album. That's probably, and this next album, you got to be even bigger. And your lead singer is in a car crash. The guy with him dies. The people in the other car, you're, you're facing vehicle manslaughter, and he was, uh, you know, intoxicated. So your, <laughs> your lead singer, not to mean to laugh about it, but your lead singer might end up doing prison time. Might be in prison for a while. But we all know the story with that. He, he was... A lot of people say paid up, paid off. He bought his prison sentence off, and the rest is history. But would Theater of Pain be able to match up to Shout at the Devil? Like I said, released June twenty first, nineteen eighty five, peaked at number six on Billboard, which a breakthrough for Motley Crue, produced by Tom Werman. Uh, three singles from the album. One was Smoking in the Boys' Room. Keep Your Eye on the Money was actually released in Spain. And, of course, the power ballad of all power ballads, Home Sweet Home. Now, not only was the legal troubles that Vince Neil was having a problem, but bass player Nikki Six and the band's founder and primary songwriter had developed a heroin addiction, which was getting spiral out of control with all these uncertainties hanging over the band, the Theater of Pain's recording commenced in January 85. During recording, the album's working title was Entertainment of Death, though Nikki Six decided to change it prior to release. And you'll hear how it's talked about in one of the songs of that album. It's kind of pointing to entertainment or death. Uh, okay, so for me, What do I think about Theater of Pain? I remember I remember going to buy Theater of Pain at Camelot Music in a, in a mall in a local town, Runnett Rapids, North Carolina. Bought the cassette. I don't know if you guys remember. <coughs> excuse me. They had a, a time where when they put a cassette out, they would have a, a decorative cassette holder it was like a long cardboard holder but it had pictures up there and it had the uh pictures of the band on it and stuff like that it didn't last long when they're doing that i think they just wanted something different besides those you remember those white plastic holders that you hit you had to take a take scissors and cut the holders loose to get the cassettes out they used to do those too i don't know what the purpose was of that protected or what but or to make it visible if you were trying to steal it, more visible if you were trying to steal it from uh, from a, your record store or, or whatever, Walmart or wherever. Um, <clears throat> the world tour started July 7th, 85 in Japan, ended March 3rd, 86 in Paris, France. Now, the album is dedicated to Razzle, Razzle who, like we talked about, it, died in a car wreck, but... My first impressions when I bought this, you know, cover, you know, it's got the iconic cover with, and it, I guess 
The cover didn't change much. It didn't have, really have to change much from Entertainment of Death to Theater of Pain. But that the cover is so great. I mean, I, I, I love the cover. It's probably... Let me see. Dr. Feelgood's a pretty good cover. I, I would say the cover is probably my my favorite Motley Crue cover. Uh, it's, it's cool. It's just cool to me. Um... <clears throat> You know, we talked about Nikki Six with his with his problem, his heroin problem, but he has since blamed producer Tom Worman for the album shortcomings that people say, saying his two thousand memoir, The Heroin Diaries, that Worman didn't really know how to control us or do what it is is we needed to make the follow up to shout the devil. Tom Worman's response in two thousand eight was, "Isn't it curious?" How they say they love you while they're selling millions of records, but a couple of decades later, you didn't capture their sound. You didn't work hard enough. You didn't pay enough attention. You talked on the phone all the time. You party too hard. And in fact, you're personally responsible for everything in their lives that they failed to achieve. You know, I remember listening to this cassette, side A, side B, over and over again. And I was like, you know, this is pretty cool. But my first impression of it was what happened from Shout the Devil? Because this is a totally different Motley Crue. You look at the cover, too, or the inside of the cassette, the photos of the band, black and white replaced by more glammy stuff, more colorful outfits. It's not the pentagram all over the place, the black, it's colorful stuff, it's, I don't know, it, it was just a very different look, I'm surprised, and I'm sure if social media was around back then, they would be calling, calling Motley Crue a sellout for, for, for ditching the black and white going glam, but, and it was more of a, some of the songs hit more of a blues rock than, than the hard, like, you know, Shout at the Devil, 10 Seconds to Love, like, um, Too Young to Fall in Love, Red Hot, like the Shout at the Devil song. It's, it's a different, it's a different sound. Uh, critical reception in their August 85 review, People Magazine praised guitarist Mick Moore's work but found little else to applaud. Magazine called the album Thudding Trash with Neil's vocals and Six's songwriting taking the brunt of the criticism. They felt that while Theater Pain does contain some of the band's most accomplished work, the album ultimately needs cosmetic surgery. <laughs> and you know, you'll hear what I think in just a few minutes, but the standout of this album by far, to me, was Mick Moore's guitar playing. The solos were so great. You know, there's some that they didn't have enough of Mick in it. And, and we'll talk about that in just a minute, too. Vince Neil says it was his, his least favorite album of all Motley Crue albums. Nikki Six, Pile of Rubbish. The whole effing record was a pile of rubbish with a few moments of maybe brilliance. And I think... I think what you, what he's saying, that brilliance, there was a couple of songs. And, of course, everybody loved, I mean, Home Sweet Home. 
you would think there was there would be fatigue from home sweet home, but I I I know myself in my opinion I don't have fatigue from from home sweet home. Um, let's get right into the track by track. City Boy Blues leads off. <laughs> Polar opposite from what you got from Shout the Devil as a lead off, and I hate to keep comparing to Shout the Devil, but it was, I mean, going from Shout the Devil to Theater was so different. They talk about big, this song talks about big city living over a lukewarm bar rock boogie. Vince has a sinking suspicion he's wasted his life, but there's no escape. Mixed boilerplate riffing, Tommy's pounding drums, and cowbell, Will Ferrell would be proud. There is cowbell in this song. We need more cowbell, but solo, mixed solo, like I said, in this it, it, it's just great. And, and this is a a sign of things to come in this whole album. Mick Morris solos. Uh, one of the lyrics from that, my tongue's talking riddles, but I just can't seem to find a clue. City Boy Blues was a good song. I thought it was a good lead-off song. It was just so different. I mean, when I when I first listened to it, I was like, who are these guys? You know, I hate keep... It's, it's nothing like Shout the Devil. Then... Of course, you got Smoking in the Boys' Room. It was a remake of Brownsville Station's 70s hit. Um, and I noticed in this, listen to it, I listened to it several times, listened to this whole album several times. You can hear the bass more in this uh, in this song. And then there's a harmonica solo. Did you ever think when you, when you were listening to uh, Shout the Devil, Motley Crue needs a song with a harmonica solo in it? No, but Smoking in the Boys Room was a great song, a great cover, but uh, you look, and I've always wondered who who, by, who played the harmonica in it. They always played it off in concert like Vince Neil played it, but there was actually, uh, Mickey Raphael played it, and it was... That was on the album, and I think they just piped it in through the speakers at concert, and he made it look like they were uh, look like he was playing it. This was the first single off Theater of Pain, reached number six on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100, became Motley Crue's first top 40 hit. You know, and there's been so many people that Motley Crue's influenced with with that. Uh, Crue's version was accompanied by a conceptual music video with Michael Barham and you remember him from The Hills Have Eyes and I think he was also in uh, Weird Science wasn't he maybe I'm wrong on that but the video and it's such a it was a great video back at high school the boy messes up with his homework the dog ate his homework or something like that and he gets paddled by the, <laughs> the principal remember paddling yeah it doesn't happen nowadays uh, so he goes to the bathroom and Motley Crue's in the mirrors. Band pulls him through the mirror and he sees a, like a messed up version of his school. Like, uh, like they're, they're just zombies and they're being forced to do this. Like, it's almost like a prison. And, uh, you see Motley Crue in from time to time messing with stuff in the, in the bathroom. And I think they, do something to the cameras, the principal gets upset. But at the end, Jimmy gets apologized by the principal and he gives him an A for his missing homework. 
And Jimmy rips up his homework, walks away. Nikki Six at the end reaches out and grabs the principal's toupee right at the end of the video. So it was kind of it was kind of that pattern for music videos right then with Twisted Sister with I Wanna Rock and We're Not Gonna Take It. Those it was kind of like that pattern of a video. It was still a great video though. And uh one of Motley Crue's biggest hits, one of my favorite Motley Crue songs. Next thing we got Louder Than Hell. This was actually a demo from the Shout at the Devil album. It was called Hotter Than Hell. Then I remember thinking when I saw the uh before I knew they had changed the, the title and I saw the expanded version of Shout the Devil that when it said Hotter Than Hell, I said, well, cool, they remade Kiss's Hotter Than Hell song. But it was Louder Than Hell. Uh, don't really, I mean, it's just talking about like one of the lyrics, some have their reasons, some have no hope, we like it loud. Louder Than Hell. I mean, they, they just like to go to the max and that was Motley Crue's that was Motley Crue's way of doing things. They did it to the max, by all means. You saw that, in, especially in the 80s. You saw Motley Crue did it to the max. Only thing I, one of the things I really noticed about this was the guitar solo was so short. I mean, it was, I think the song lasted, what, two minutes and 30 seconds, and the guitar solo probably lasted like 10 seconds. Didn't like that, but it's an okay song. It's not one of my favorite songs from from this album. All right, keep your eye on the money. Pretty much saying don't let anyone stand between you and the payoff. Uh, if this was a concept album, this would probably be the centerpiece of this album. And I, I, what I was talking about earlier, the, the original name for the album was going to be Entertainment or Death. One of the lines in this references the title and the cover art comedy and tragedy entertainment or death it talks about the risk of gambling with the dangers of dancing on the blade as the crowd screams on for more you know i think this is I, I really like this song but the solo and just like i've said all along mick mars mick mars his solo kicks butt in this. This is one of the best solos on the album. So then we go to what started the whole power ballad thing. And I mean, there was power ballads before, but this was the breakthrough power ballad back in the in the eighties. Home sweet home. Probably one, it has to be in my top five favorite songs of all time. It started the formula for what these guys, what the 80s metal bands, because you look at, especially after this, all these bands started doing power ballads. Um, and then there was like a formula you could watch them. When you got a, a record or what, a cassette or CD or whatever, you had an upbeat song that started off. You had a, a harder song, second, usually like the third or fourth song was the power ballad. And some did more than one power ballad. But this one was the one that beat it all. I can remember, what was it, Dial MTV? I didn't have cable back then. So when I went to my friend's house or got them to record MTV, this was always on Dial MTV. It was number one for like months and months. I think they finally retired it 
where you couldn't you couldn't vote for it anymore. And uh, so, but Electra uh, originally didn't even want the song. They uh, they just said, you know, it's not going to do anything. But Motley Crue pretty much forced their hand, put it on the album. Electra wouldn't pay for the video, so they financed the video, which is one of the, like I said, one of the best videos of all time. Uh, Vince, they say the way it came about, Vince was humming along the studio to a Tommy Lee piano lick, and that's where it, there it come from. And you look at the video, it's like a carbon copy of what pe what people did after it with it, some of these videos. Like you saw backstage, you saw on the road, you saw concert footage. That's what most of these bands did with their videos after that. Look at Wanted Dead or Alive by Bon Jovi. Shows a lot of backstage stuff on the road. And people say, well that started out not Home Sweet Home started it all as far as uh, as far as that goes. One of the best songs that to me, my favorite Motley Crue song of all time. So next up, this was this was pretty much side two if you had an album or cassette. So tonight, We Need a Lover. <laughs> this was like the ultimate Motley Crue sex reference uh, song. Uh, one of the, one of the <laughs> metaphors, I'll say, slide down my knees, taste my sword. Okay, then, but, you know, I'm not crazy on this song about the harmonies after the solo, where they start saying tonight over and over again. Not too crazy about it. They could have they left that part off and just let Mick play the rest, uh, some more of his solo, and I would have been fine with that. Morris, like I said, the solo on this, awesome. He just does a great job, a fantastic job on this album. Mick Morris solidified himself on this album if he hadn't already uh i'm sure tipper gore this was one of the songs that she had you know there was there was several other several other uh metaphors i guess what you would call it in on this on this song it was like let me see I, what is one of the other ones yeah what <laughs> Ninety thousand screaming watts honey dripping from her pot Fill the cup to the top tonight. Yeah, what is he talking about there? <laughs> the, this deadly sin is all we know. Pleasure victim who's next to fall. Question is, will you please us all tonight? Yeah, the, and the outro to this is pretty great too. I, that, that's, uh, you know, like I said, typical probably had a fit with this song. All right, so use it or lose it. Uh, you know, I'm not crazy about using it or lose it season the, talks about season moments talks about james dean jfk marilyn monroe as folks who lived hard died young two minutes and 38 seconds it's just not something that that use it or lose it is not one i like i do like the ending don't throw it away and it and they go off real quick the way they end it is really good to me now save our souls I do like this, the way the song is kind of slow. And 
Vince, Vince Neal talks about higher power to redeem him and his street urchin friends. It's been the hard road, edge of an overdose. <coughs> Excuse me. So he's talking about Nikki's, Nikki's brush with death a couple years later. It was prophesizing that. Uh, he may not really want salvation, but he fakes it better than the rest of the guys. Another blues metal song. You can really tell in this song that that it was kind of a blues song. But you know what? The way it starts off as slow as it goes, it sounds like it, it, it could go on Shout at the Devil. And, uh, yeah, it's 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 a good song. I like I like uh, Save Our Souls. It's different on this album. It kind of slows it down a little bit. Save Our Souls for the Heavens. Save Our Souls for the Promised Land. Raise Your Hands to Rock. Not a bad song. It's like a... Something that should be between I Want to Rock and Paradise City. Uh, partially acoustic, which I thought that was kind of, uh, when I remember hearing it for the first time, I was like, well, that's kind of different from Motley Crue. Uh, it's about having faith in yourself and rock and roll. About 90%, 8% attitude, 2% songwriting, and the title sounds like something the teacher from Smoking in the Boys Room would say was according to Billboard. You know it's okay song. It's different, but I'm not a I'm not a big fan on that. Now fight for your rights. You know it's a call to arms reference references Martin Luther King of a, and and envisions the world where we all become one race. He Nikki Six probably meant well, but when it comes to protest music, the crew is better off sticking with teachers. And their bogus anti-tobacco policies. That's Billboard right there for you. Uh, you know, "Fight for Your Rights" wasn't one of my favorite songs either. Just could and and if I have to give like a synopsis of Theater Pain, if I'm ranking them on Motley Crue albums, of course, right now it'd have to be first because we haven't done any Motley Crue albums. But was I disappointed? Compared to Shout at the Devil. I think that Home Sweet Home took a lot of that away from me. You know, because I was such a big fan of Home Sweet Home. But nowadays, you know, back then, I loved every song. You know, back in, what, what was it, 80, 85? So I was, I was not quite 12 years old. So... I was a fan of all of it back then because I couldn't get enough of that. You know, you, I was constantly, constantly trying to find more 80s metal music by then. So everything I listened to was pretty much a first, and I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. You know, there was, of course, there were some things I didn't like, but um, this album was, was a favorite of mine back then. And going back and listening to it over and over again, and comparing it to other ones, it's it doesn't really. It's not my favorite Motley Crue album, but it's not my least favorite either. I mean, I I would probably put it somewhere in the middle, right in the middle of all the albums. But you know, back then, the Motley Crue aura, theater of pain, you were just like, holy crap, home sweet home, and you had all that video and all this coming out. Motley Crue was at their peak in that era. There was never a better time to be a Motley Crue fan. So a little bit, well, a little bit later, 
maybe about three or four years later. <clears throat> but Theater of Pain is okay. If I had to give it out of five stars, I'd give it like a three, three out of five. And that's and if I'm ranking my songs, I'm have to go. Of course, Home Sweet Home would be first. Smoking in the Boardroom second. Keep Your Eye on the Money third. City Boy Blues fourth. We Need a Lover fifth. Six would be Louder Than Hell. Seventh. And this could interchange. These last three could interchange. No, Save Our Souls would be seventh. Use or Lose It would be eighth. Fight for Your Rights ninth. And Raise Your Hands Rock tenth. The cover is just awesome, like I said before, but, you know, not the best Motley Crue album. And I, I think they even, like we talked about earlier, they even admit that. It was a Nikki Six talking about a pile of rubbish and Vince Neil saying it was his least favorite Motley Crue album. But one of my, I, it's one of my first albums that I went out and bought myself. I think, I actually think the first album I bought myself was Michael Jackson Thriller. I saved up money from cutting grass and bought it. I was, yeah, I was a Michael Jackson. When Thriller came out, I think a lot of people were, but I was a Michael Jackson guy when Thriller was out. He That album is just fantastic. Still is to this day. Uh, but Motley Crue, I remember having my own money saved from cutting grass and going to buy it at Camelot Music the day. It may not have been the day it came out. It may have been like a week or so after it came out. But missed those days where you go to the store. We've talked about that several times, about being able to go to a record store and buy your own stuff. Can't get out of here without talking about somebody that's come on with us. You kind of be a sponsor for us, but I really want to push your stuff. If you guys are coffee drinkers out there, you need to check out deadsledcoffee.com. Yeah, if you're a fan of coffee, you if you've been a fan of the show on the fly of this podcast, you've heard Mike Whittle's who was on a few weeks ago, actually the last episode of uh, On The Fly. He was one of our guests talking about his love for Kiss and his love for coffee. Dead Sled Coffee right now. This is their latest post. It's Monday morning deadlies, which means it's time to get up, get up with our new official disturbed dark Java blend. The bags have landed. We're finishing up the roast, and it should be at our warehouse this week. So start looking for your tracking number soon. Get yours at deadsledcoffee.com. That's for the the band Disturbed Official Coffee. Now, they've also got Robert England, who plays Freddy Krueger. They've got official Robert England, Rob Zombie. He's got his own coffee through them. Skid Row is coming. D. Snyder is coming. Pre-orders for D. Snyder's For the Love of Coffee are now open and will ship just in time for the holidays. The D. Snyder For the Love of Coffee is a deliciously smooth blend of beans from Guatemala and Central America. The beans were grown at an altitude of 1,200 to 1,700 meters, and roasted to a medium level, which creates a bright and pleasant full-body taste. So, of course, the reason I got into it was the Kiss Coffee. But there's so much to choose from. You check out their face. Follow them on Facebook. Follow them on Twitter. Check out DeadSledCoffee.com and pick you up some, uh, some coffee from them. I'm not much of a coffee drinker, but my wife is. And she would, like I said, if she would have an IV of coffee hooked up to her 24-7 if, if she could. But 
I'm gonna. I've got some dead sled coffee coming my way. I'm definitely gonna give it a try. Who knows? This may turn me into a coffee drinker. Like I said, check them out at DeadSledCoffee.com. All right, guys, that's gonna do it for this week on the fly. Hopefully, next next week we'll have another episode. And uh, I just want to wish you all a happy Thanksgiving. And I'm real thankful thankful for you to listen to to on the fly out there. You know, whether Spotify, Apple, Anchor, wherever. Hopefully there's there's more big things to come from on the fly. We're just we're making progress. We actually got ranked in a chart last week. We we had two rankings in a chart last week. That's a first for us here at On the Fly. I was shocked and thrilled at that. You know, I'm not doing this for a living. I'm just doing this as a hobby. But man, it's been a great ride and uh hopefully it's going to get even better soon. But you guys have a happy Thanksgiving. I'm so thankful for you guys and Be safe in your travels, and uh, we'll see you next time on the fly.